0: and greet everybody in the wonderful name of Jesus, and also acknowledge those who are watching uh, through Facebook and all our social media platforms. We are going to go straight into the word of God. Uh, We'll be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 42. Acts chapter 2, verses 42. We are talking about uh, building blocks of true Christianity. So we will look into Acts chapter 2. Verses 42, it will be our main scripture for this morning. We will read a lot of scriptures as we go through this teaching this morning. We, we will partake of the word of God. And then we, we will look into the, 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 the early church and the things that they committed themselves to. And, uh, and, and this morning we are saying those are the things that the church must commit itself to. That's why we, 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 we are, we are ent- entitling the teaching of this morning as Building Blocks of True Christianity. And we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says, And they continued steadfastly. So we are going to look at the things that we must uh, continue steadfastly in. I- I'm reading from the New King James Version. When you read it in the New International Version or the NIV, it says they devoted themselves So we want to look at the things that we need to devote ourselves to as a church. The things we need to commit to. The things we need to continue steadfastly in. Or the things we need to commit to. The things we need to be uh, consistent in and, and, and give ourselves to. And it's, it's it's four things that we can pick up from Acts two verse forty two. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's number one. Or oh, the apostles' teachings. Number two, they they devoted themselves to fellowship. Number three, they they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. Number 4 they committed themselves to prayers. Hallelujah. So 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 those are the things I want us to to look into in the next 25 minutes or so. The Bible says number 1 they committed themselves they they gave themselves steadfastly. They they devoted themselves to one the apostles teachings when we read in in Matthew, Matthew 28 verse verse 20 which is the great commission the the okay verse 18 from verse 18 says go and preach the gospel to to all nations from verse 20 it says teaching them to observe these things so the the part as well of of the Great Commission or of making disciples. And another aspect of that is the teachings of the Word. So when the Bible says they committed themselves to the apostles' doctrines or teachings, it was part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Because the the Great Commission has an aspect of evangelism, but it also has an aspect of teaching the Word. So the 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 early church committed itself to the teaching of the word or or the early church committed itself to the apostles teachings or the apostles doctrines which is which is the the teachings of the word now I want, I want us to look at at this other aspect and I want us to read in uh, when we read in 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 23 and 24, so I will just mention it and, uh, and, and just quote it for, for, for the sake of time. You can just note it down. Paul gives us an indication of the type of teachings or preachings that he was doing. He says in 1 Corinthians 23, he says, I preach Christ. Not, not, no. Sorry, First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. He says, "I preach Christ and Him crucified." So, so, what was the, the the apostles' teachings? When the Bible says they committed themselves to the apostles' teachings, the the apostles' teachings was about the preachings or teachings about our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, and, and 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 that includes what He did for us on the cross. So so Paul gives us a light into what was his main theme as he was preaching or teaching to the church. As as, as one of the apostles during the time of the early church. He says says to, to the church in Corinth, he says, I preach to you Christ and him crucified. So the main theme of his preaching was around the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the apostles' teachings, we are talking about the theme that they preached, which is the word of God and which is around uh, the the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 3, sorry, let's read first Ephesians 2, verse 20, and then read with it uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 11. Because there's something that I want to show you very quickly as we continue with the teachings of this morning. Ephesians 2 verse 20 says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And then going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, I wanted to read these scriptures together so that we can bring forth this truth regarding the apostles' preachings and teachings. In Ephesians 2.20, it says, The church is built on the foundations. Of the, of, the, of the apostles and prophets. And when, 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 because when we read the Bible, we must read it in context of the whole or the rest of the scriptures. So when the Bible says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and, and prophets, it's not talking about the people themselves, but their teachings. Because there is only one foundation. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the apostles were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, they were laying a foundation for the church which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So the foundation of the church is not the apostles and the prophets, but the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, which was the teaching about our Lord Jesus Christ. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Hallelujah. So so that's how that scripture is interpreted. It is interpreted in context with the rest of the other scriptures. So the foundation of the church is not men or women or apostles or pastors or evangelists but it is the teaching about our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the foundation that is laid. That's why Paul says there is no other foundation but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. Now Matthew 16, verse 18. This is about the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples when he asked himself, uh, who do you think, uh, what do men says? says I am? Let's, let's start reading it. In verse, verse 13, Matthew 16, reading from verse 13, the Bible says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. So, Jesus says, he says to Peter, he says, and, and this is said in the context of the question that he asked. Who do men say I am? And And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, 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 and Jesus said to Peter, he says, you are Peter. And then he says, on this rock, on this foundation, I will build my church. Who is the foundation? Is the foundation Peter or is the foundation the truth that Christ, Jesus, is the Christ? There is a foundation... Or a rock or a bedrock that the church must be built on. So that the gates of hate will not prevail against the church. What is that firm foundation that must be laid for the church. So that the kingdom of darkness will not prevail against it. I can tell you now that it cannot be the man Peter. When the Lord Christ was taken captive. People came to Peter and they says, Peter, you were one of them. You were part of the disciples. And Peter says, no, I was not part of the disciples. The Bible says he even swear at the people. Now, the church cannot be built upon a man who makes mistakes. Peter stands by the grace and the message of God. He cannot be the rock upon which the church will stand so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the rock that Christ refers to is the truth or the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God that is the, the the foundation. So when the when 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 the bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, it was devoting themselves to the teachings about our Lord Jesus Christ which becomes our foundation because the foundation Paul says there is no other foundation that you can lay but the Lord Jesus Christ. No other rock that the church must be built on but the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church is built upon the teaching that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Not upon apostles or prophets or Peter. Jesus is the rock upon which the church is built. And that is what we devote ourselves to. The apostles' teachings or doctrines. Let's give Jesus a sense of praise. Number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. and the two things, or maybe three things that I want to to, to share regarding that. When you read in Matthew six verse nine, it's about the Lord's prayer. So there's, there's a, an, an, an aspect that I want to share regarding. Fellowship. So, so we are saying fellowship, firstly, uh, the teachings about Christ is the first block of, of true Christianity. Is the first Secondly, it's it's fellowship. When we read in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, this is how you ought to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Our Father. So, the first thing I want to share about, about fellowship is that in fellowship, There is an identity that we must acknowledge amongst ourselves as brothers and sisters. So so for us to experience fellowship, we must first accept that we are brothers and sisters. We we are a family. So, the the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. And number one, in, in In achieving fellowship, we need to acknowledge or realize that we are family. Because Christ, when he teaches us to pray, he says, When you pray, say, Our Father. So we we, we acknowledge that we are brothers and sisters. When you read in John 1, from verse 12 to 14, he says, Those who accepted him, those who believed in him, they were given the right to become children of God. So the fact that we are family, our fellowship comes out of the fact that we are family. We are, we are brothers and we are sisters. Now, and then and 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 the Lord Jesus Christ is our elder brother. We read in, in Colossians 1. Verse 18, it says, the Bible says, he is the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1, verse 18. And when you read again in, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, I'll just quote them for the, for the sake of time. It says, the Lord Christ is not ashamed to call us brethren. He, he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And the, the writer of Hebrews quote the prophecy in the book of Psalms where Christ was saying, I will, I will declare your name. Uh, I will praise you and declare your, your name in the midst of my brethren. And then the, the writer of Hebrews says, Christ is not ashamed to call us brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. So, when Christ came into the world, he came as the only begotten of the Father. And we find that in John 3, verse 16. But the Lord Christ, he says himself, he says, unless a seed is buried into the ground, and it dies. It remains alone. So Christ came as the seed of the woman, according to to, to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. He came as as the seed of the woman. And then he says, unless a seed dies, it remains alone. You know, if you, you have a backyard garden in your house, you know, this is spring, it's the time to plant. That seed, unless you put it into the ground, it remains alone. But Jesus came as the only begotten of the Father, and he died, and on the third day he rose again. And the Bible says, When we believe in him, we are given the right to become children of God. And that's why the Lord Christ, therefore, He is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. So in 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 accomplishing fellowship we need to accept that we are brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Time is not on our side today. But we will 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 try and 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 go as far as 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 far as we can go. So the 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 brotherhood of 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 the saints it's very important. It is very much important to know that we are brothers and sisters. And our father, we've got a common father. We've got the same father. And the Lord Christ is, uh, is our elder brother. And we, we see each other as brothers and sisters. You know, so, 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 so that is something that is very important. But I, I want to move on. Number two, uh, fellowship is expressed in us meeting together. In us uh, a meeting together, especially in this fashion. So it's one of the ways to express fellowship. In Hebrews 10, verse 25, the Bible says, we should not neglect meeting together. So fellowship is expressed In us meeting together to worship our Father together. And then number three, genuine fellowship happens because of love. When you read in in John 13, verse 35, the Bible says that the Lord Christ says, When you love one another people will know that you are my disciples. So if we are to achieve the aspect of fellowship, as God's people, we must love one another. One thing that would characterize us is the love that we share with one another. So when we love one another, the Bible says, Jesus says, people will know that you are my disciples. So that is with regard to fellowship. One, that we are a family. Two, that fellowship is expressed in us meeting together. And three, that it, fellowship happens through the love that we share With one another. The Bible says in Galatians, carry each other's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hallelujah. The third aspect about about the the church, as we learn from, from the early church, the third aspect that we need to devote ourselves to is the breaking of bread. The Bible says they devoted themselves. They continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread, it refers to two things. Number one, partaking in Holy Communion. And number two, eating together as as the saints. Or sharing a meal. So, number one, regarding... Holy Communion, the Lord Jesus Christ says, do this in remembrance of me. So every time we partake in Holy Communion, we are putting Christ front and center. We are remembering what Christ did for us, especially on the cross. Because the bread element, Christ says, signifies my body that is broken. And then the, the, the wine element signifies the blood that was shed. So, so when we break bread, we are putting Christ front and center of the church. And we, we put this in our remembrance. Jesus Christ says, do this in remembrance of me. Always put this at the top of your mind. Do not forget that my body was broken. Do not forget that my blood was shed. So every time we partake of Holy Communion, we bring to remembrance the greatest sacrifice that was ever done. The greatest favor that was ever done for men. That Christ died for us on the cross. Hallelujah. And then eating together, or sharing a meal. So what we see regarding this, when we read in Matthew 9, verse 10 to 11, we see the the Pharisees criticizing Jesus because he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, etc. And then they say, he is eating with sinners and tax collectors. It's, it's, It's because... Sharing of a meal uh, it, it also signifies fellowship it also signifies acceptance so they said if if Christ is eating with these people it means he is accepting them it means he's he's, he's fellowshipping with them so 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 they were criticizing him based on that so So when we break bread, when we share a meal, we are saying we are accepting one another. We are fellowshipping with one another. We are seeing one another as as brothers and sisters. So so Christ did that to reach unto the sinners. That was the purpose why he he shared a meal with sinners and and tax collectors. And, and, And Paul says something very interesting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. This one I want to read it quickly. And then we're we going to close in the next 5 to 10 minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what, what have I to do with judging those, who are, those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? Verse 13. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. So, my focus is where Paul says, if, you, if, if one of us, as brothers and sisters, is, for instance, a drunkard or commits sexual immorality and so on, Paul says, don't eat with him. So... Breaking bread, sharing a meal, eating together. The Bible says they committed themselves to sharing a meal, to breaking bread. And Paul says, if one of you who is a brother, and is a brother according to John 1, 12 to 14, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, those who received him. He has received the right to become a child of God. If he has received the right to become a child of God, but lives in sin, and unrepentant. He says, don't eat with him. So, eating together is not only the food to fill the stomach, but it signifies acceptance. It signifies that we are family. It signifies the fellowship among the brethren, among brothers and sisters. It signifies caring for one another. And Paul says, don't eat with him. Because it's not about the food, but it's about the, the culture or the meaning behind the food. And that's why Paul says, he says, don't eat with him. But then Paul says, he says, those who are outside or those who are not born again or those who are not born into the kingdom. He says, those ones God will judge, but those who are in the church, you must judge. Hallelujah. It says, those who are in the church, you, you must judge. So the the, the 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 message I want to bring was the eating together. So the, the, the early church had a culture. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And the breaking of bread was both holy communion and, and also, also also eating together. And then lastly, They committed themselves to prayers. They committed themselves to prayers. And I want to quickly read two scriptures. And then we are going to close. In Acts, both of them are in Acts. Let's start in chapter 3, verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now when Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And then Acts chapter 10. Ex. chapter 10 verse 9. Acts chapter 10 verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So, in these two portions of scripture, as we're going to close, we see prayer conducted in, in two types or two ways. The first way we see in, in, in Acts 3, that Peter and John were going together to the temple to pray. So the first type we see that they, the early church prayed as a group. So there was, there was a time that that local church had scheduled to say, we will pray as a church. We'll pray as a group. So we'll pray corporately. So we see that when when the Bible says they committed themselves to prayer, it was not only praying on their own behind the closet. But we see Peter and John going to the temple to pray. And secondly, in Acts 10, we see Peter going to the housetop to pray, praying on his own as an individual, praying behind his own closet. So prayer is both done, you as an individual and also as a church. So this is an example that we learn from the early church. And this is the fourth and final thing that as a church, we need to devote ourselves to. To commit or to continue steadfastly in prayers. Hallelujah. So those are the four things that we are learning today from the early church that we need to to commit ourselves to, to the teachings about Christ, to prayers, to fellowship, and to breaking of bread. Let's stand on our feet.